and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we review movies, TV shows, trailers, and anything pop culture. Today we're looking at WandaVision Season 1, Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall. I'm Emmett, and I'm joined by my co-host and passionate Popco bobblehead collector, Ivan. I wouldn't say passionate. Maybe, yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe it's a good Obsessive? Is obsessive a better word? Uh... How do you say addiction without necessarily saying addiction? I went with passionate. All right, That's, there you go. All right, yeah, he phrased it right then. That's put my best Agatha on it, you know, sugarcoating it. <laughs> oh boy. Before we get into the episode, let's do uh, let's do a quick news breakdown. I I'll let you have the head <laughs> the, the top headline because. You're probably the only one out of us who cares about it. Oh my god! All right. Well, I was disappointed to learn about that this this morning when I texted you this this uh trailer over. Um, was it this morning? Maybe no. I I'm yesterday. confusing the days. It was yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mortal Kombat <laughs> it, it dropped its first trailer. Um, and probably its only trailer because I think it's releasing in about a month or so. No, wait, no, I'm wrong. It's releasing in April, so we'll probably see another trailer. But did you get a chance to see it at all? I watched the trailer. I didn't play this game growing up. It makes it look cool. Um, I just wasn't like a big arcade uh, two-person fighter game kind of person. I was more like a Super Smash guy. Okay. Yeah. I So, <laughs> quick little backstory. Uh, <laughs> I spent uh, right about three years of my childhood over in Mexico. And one of my prized possessions that I got to take... Um, I got to take to Mexico with me from the U.S. was a Super Nintendo. <laughs> Oddly enough, mm. my my aunt bought us a Super Nintendo, and <laughs> mind you, we're talking about me and my brother here, right? So we're about maybe four years apart. The two games we took with us: Mortal Kombat <laughs> mm-hmm. and Killer Instinct. Again, interesting. Again, okay. we're, we're kids. kids. Yeah, for kids. <laughs> I think the the connotation was like it's Nintendo, so technically everything should be kid friendly. Plus, yeah. it probably helped that my relatives didn't know any English. So sure. <laughs> but I spent countless hours um, playing those two games uh, repeatedly. And since there's no um, Killer Instinct movie out, you know, it's we only got Mortal Kombat here. So I got some. You know, I, I was a Mortal Kombat fan for a while. Um, obviously, it's it. The 90s movie came out, and then I think there was like a sec- a sequel to that one. It's all a lot of cheese, and it was really bad and all, but I, I feel like I really, really liked this trailer. <laughs> it had just the right amount of cheesiness to it, um, and it seems like they're going full out all gore. This is my version or my movie that I would kind of equate to Godzilla versus Kong. I have like that level of excitement over this thing. I know it's going to be stupid. I know it's not going to be an Oscar winner by any means. I mean, there's a, there's a line in the trailer where a character is asked about, um, a like tattoo that he has on. He's like, Oh, I was born with it. He's like, what does that mean? And then the other character is like, Oh, it means it's his birthmark. (laughs) (laughs) I was like some solid writing right there. Yeah. The writing's not going to be there, but it kind of had like a kill bill look to it, which is a pretty daring for a video game. Uh, turned movie it is i just i feel like video games are given like the short end of the stick when it comes to like transitioning them over to another medium so and mortal kombat you're obviously going to get that because it's like a tournament based fighter game right like how what could you possibly really do in the movie setting 
um but this looks really corny but i like it i thought the character design was really good and i was excited to kind of get a listen to the 90s movie soundtrack in there but remixed in this really orchestral kind of way uh i thought it looked really good though i i'm, I'm excited for it like i wouldn't say it's my most anticipated movie of this year but uh, it looks like a lot of fun, and I'm glad. This is one release that I'm going to be really glad I'm able to sit at home and and you know flip on HBO Max to watch it. Who was your uh, Who was your main character in the game? Oh, it, it had to be Scorpion, because <laughs> it's like what's funny though about th- those original games is like every ninja in the game was basically Scorpion, but with a different color palette. <laughs> so I it's just like, remember a lot of them had like big fan hats. Like big brim hat. Oh yeah, ones. that's that's Raiden and I think Kung Lao, if I remember correctly. Those are the two characters with the giant hats. Yeah. And then there yeah. were like a whole bunch of ninjas. So it was like Scorpion was the yellow one, and they had Sub Zero. And I think those two guys are the mascots of the series, basically, because every trailer for the new unit pops up, they're always, you know, beating each other up <laughs> as a preview. Yeah, I don't remember any of these characters i'm scrolling through kratos was in this <laughs> that has to be a later version right that's uh, i think he was a dlc character yeah. so he wasn't he wasn't I like thought, part of the I franchise thought, i thought solid snake was one of these was he not i don't think so man i, I really don't know this game they did <laughs> the games well the game lore is one thing and then the actual games they always like to do these little guest characters yeah. Like I, I know this this last one they had like the Joker, Terminator, I think Predator was in there. So was Alien, Freddy Krueger, um, the guy with the Jason. hockey mask, Jason. There you go. Um, I'll go with else? I'll go with Kit- Katana. There you go. Cool, cool name. Good strong female lead. Let's see her win this. Nowhere in the trailer at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold out hope. <laughs> Hopefully she does uh, make it in. Is that enough of Mortal Kombat? Can we? Can I play yeah, that's all I had. That's all I had to say. I, I was excited to see it. It's it does all... look. Inter- it does look interesting. I I might even uh, throw it on one one night. We should. Maybe. We should dedicate another five minutes to this um, mm. down the road. We'll see. Yeah, five minutes max. Uh, <laughs> not to put too much time on it, but another uh, trailer came out, or I guess just a thirty second spot for Falcon Winter Soldier. A little bit, uh, as it looks like all new scenes f- that weren't in the trailer from the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's still got my interest. still looks really good. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I saw the... I actually caught it um, a couple of minutes before we hopped on to record. So, I, I actually didn't know there was a new spot. But it seemed like uh, pretty much a little bit more of a sampling than what we got on that full-length trailer. It, it's uh, one of Captain America's speeches from... I think it was from... Uh, Winter Soldier, right? The freedom, the freedom was the always price high. Of freedom, yeah. Yeah, that's from Winter Soldier. That's when he first met uh, Falcon, so that makes sense. Um, and then I think the only other thing that I noticed, I mean, this isn't even that big of news, but Favreau was on the set of Avatar too, uh, with James Cameron, looking at, uh, I guess, the sets design and how they're uh, doing some of the special effects build. So I'm excited for that one. I totally forgot that that was on the slate. I mean, it's still a couple years away, but uh, like Favreau's done so much with pushing the field of special effects forward that I'm hoping he's like giving some tips or or see or like 
figuring out how to meld that with Avatar because that would just make this even cooler. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is uh, ILM getting involved in it too because it's always um, I, I feel like James Cameron was always a frequent collaborator with George Lucas when it came to the special effects side because it was George that like you know basically pioneered the whole let's not film in the in the proper set um the way of shooting things so uh, and and also just kind of a side note avatar 2 has been shooting for 10 years at this point (laughs) it's been a while like that's why i forgot about it but i think it's only two years away they keep saying that but i I don't know yeah they even like five I think there are any. I think even Disney was has done a like Avatar World or something at their attraction parks. I, I think I want to say it's either them or, or Universal. I can't tell. I, I think the worth is the wait is going to be worth it though. Um, you think so? The first movie was so good that I mean it's going to be hard to follow up, but I I trust James Cameron with this and I think it's going to be good. I mean I ten years is a long time though. I feel like it's not going to have as much of a big appeal as the first one did, only because I feel like that 3D aspect yeah, was a not huge new driver. Right, right. And, and it's kind of dead at this point. Only because like, theaters or, or com- movie companies do that as like a cash grab, and they do it in such a lame way where it's like you'll get one bullet shot in your direction or like a bow and arrow shot in your direction, and they call that like enough 3D for the whole movie. But That's like true. Avatar was like it, you felt like you were in the world. But maybe because that was new then that it felt like that. No, I think you're right because I remember watching it, and <laughs> as a guy that has astigmatism, I have to wear the 3D glasses <laughs> on top of my regular glasses. Um, but it, I I got I got a little nauseous from watching it in full <laughs> in full 3D. But it's because yeah. there were actual like the whole thing was layered out. Unlike, and I want to recall, I, I feel like Force Awakens was the last movie I saw in 3D in theaters. Um, I remember like the biggest effect was like that scene in Starkiller Base where Kylo and Rey are fighting. The trees mm-hmm. were layered in, yeah. so it kind of felt like you were going through the forest with them. But that's that was the extent of that experience for me. But you're right, like it, it is mainly a cash grab, and it's mainly to, so you could charge you a, a ton of money money yeah. to just watch it even five further. extra bucks or so on the ticket yeah that much for it but I, right. I think this would be good for it or at least imax we'll see mm-hmm. they had him he had ambitious plans he had four movies planned out so hopefully something comes out of it soon fingers crossed let's get to this uh wandavision episode before we uh dive into scenes or or character breakdown let's do a quick no spoiler general thoughts uh what was your take after it I thought it was a pretty solid entry into the series. I think that a lot of things were answered, but the plot also kind of thickened. There was, you know, a couple of revelations that came in. Um, but I'm curious to see how they use the remaining two episodes to tie it all out. I feel like there's still a lot that I'd like to get answered. Um, but I yeah. kind of think that, you know, in some respects, I am trying to be cautious of the stuff that I'm putting my hopes into for this series because. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to be satisfied with it overall. It's just that, you know, the tricky part with fandom is you tend to grab onto things that you might, you know, put a lot of um, weight into and say, oh, I really think this is going to happen, that you kind of walk away a little bit disappointed when it doesn't turn out that way. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I was expecting more answers out of this episode, 
So my initial take, I, I watched it twice today. The the first time I watched it, I walked away with, and I was like, not disappointed, but just like, I wanted more answers. And every time they give you an answer, they give you another like two questions. So it's always like one step forward, two steps back in a way. Uh, but the second time I watched it, I really got a better appreciation for, you know, the supporting cast. It, this seemed like it was their episode. It wasn't for Wanda. It wasn't really for Vision. Uh, maybe more so for Vision, but like Wanda just took a backseat to it by her choice. So, I mean, I really enjoyed watching characters like Monica or Agnes push their plot forward and their characters forward into something that I could watch. Like, if they made a season two, I, I would easily watch, you know, more on these characters. Do you think we will see a season two? No, but if they did, <laughs> or if they were like an Agent Wu where they come back into other people's movies... Um, I feel like Monica is being set up where she could get her own movie. I and I, I look, wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at that. I I like where her character's going. She's more, a little too like Captain America, where she's like you know morally perfect, and it's like okay, I get it. <laughs> I feel Very like she strikes Captain. she strikes a good balance though, because I feel like she's unlike I feel like when when and and I think this is your issue with Captain America as a character. It's like I feel like he feels too confident in the choices he's making. Yeah. Whereas I feel like with Monica, she's confident in the decision, but she's shaky on the execution. And I feel like it makes her a little bit more relatable in that sense. Like when, you know, she has a couple of moments in this episode where that kind of comes into into play. But honestly, I would love to see whether it be a spinoff show or maybe even them just kind of taking, you know, a, a back seat, but in but still in, in relevance in some of these upcoming movies. I would love to see Jimmy Woo. I would love to see Darcy. I would love to see uh, Monica come back in a grander capacity within the world now. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, let's get into the episode with spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, uh, you can pause and come back or uh, just continue listening if you don't care about spoilers. But we'll get into it. Yeah. So the episode was called Breaking the Fourth Wall. Little known fact, that was almost the name of our podcast. It was. And then we noticed <laughs> there's like six other podcasts with the name Breaking the Fourth Wall. We'll just go behind the fourth wall. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that they chose the title for this episode when they were kind of breaking it left and right last episode with the Malcolm in the Middle vibe. That's true. That's true. They, they, they went all out from, the, from Wanda's perspective, I guess, for this one because they adopted that whole... Modern well, every, family. Yeah, everyone was breaking breaking the fourth wall on this one. So that's, I guess that makes more sense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, except, but it, sorry, go ahead. Except the kids, right? Or did they? Yeah, they were the only ones who didn't interview, or uh, maybe they did look at the camera once or twice. They got their chance last episode. I don't think they looked at the camera. I think they, uh, like the faces they made when they were interacting with Wanda were just to themselves. Yeah. Maybe the that's I think that's the closest thing was the one where they're playing the video game and it's passing out and switching to different types of games. Yeah. So yeah, this is this, uh, this is definitely like the aughts of um, of a theme. So we're now in the 2000s. Heavy on the product placement pauses, like when she's going into the fridge. There's like you can see the Florida orange juice. You can see uh, I think it was Westview milk, but there was something else in there that was uh, I think it was Canada Dry. They like left the camera on there to linger, and then it goes into the office theme song for the intro, 
and then the whole thing has been very modern family and uh we were talking about it offline we couldn't quite figure it out but there's it there's definitely like a second style of shots i thought it was arrested development um did you did you think there was something else there or just modern family I thought it was heavy office modern family mix, but I do see the arrested development thing there because, because I feel like in many ways arrested development was kind of like a, a predecessor to the way that those two shows were shot ultimately. Yeah. Um, cause it definitely broke new ground when it, when it premiered, cause it definitely had these like unorthodox camera angles instead of like the multi angle way of shooting a sitcom. Yeah. So we've said it before that this show is, it's not a mockumentary in any way it's paying homage to the era of tv but i don't know to me this one kind of felt satirical right or maybe yeah. just because i'm like this genre of tv is meant to be satirical or meant to be funny it's meant to be that way i don't know if you ever saw did you ever tune into to modern family no i i tuned into the first three or four seasons i feel like i i watched it you know, uh, off the cuff, maybe like a couple episodes, and I ended up binge watching it. As you can say as... that you're into it. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> no, I was very, I was I was into the the first couple seasons, and then I just kind of lost track of it because there's so many shows that I was trying to keep up yeah. with. Yeah. But especially, you know, and to anybody you know watching that hasn't seen it, like go back. They 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 play with humor so really well, especially those first two seasons. Um, and they adopted that really well for for Wandavision. Um. But yeah, they 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 very much steered towards that uh, that route. But interestingly enough, the intro was very heavily the Office themed. Yeah, yeah. And just that title card was Modern Family. Right. That was funny to see though. But yeah, like the the style of of humor from the Modern Family perspective was very mockumentary ish and kind of satirical. Um, very like dry wit sometimes. So. It, it, this episode seems to match that pretty well. Yeah, I like what they're doing, and they're the. I got to give a lot of praise to the acting abilities of everyone. You know, I was saying it a lot about Elizabeth Olsen, but uh, Paul Bettany was crushing it in this episode. Um, Jim Halpert. <laughs> Jimmy Jim Halpert. Yeah, Catherine Han, uh, Han was awesome as Agnes in this episode. Uh, I really liked it on second watch. I, I This is one of those episodes that just grew on me better. And I think it's going to be even better when I get to like binge the whole show. It was. And I feel like Randall Park in particular like did a splendid job of portraying both Jimmy Woo and Jim Halpert in the same episode. Like I thought it was incredible. <laughs> You're going to live and die on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I still love, love that little bit. <laughs> With love a good office ref. All right, let's talk about Wanda, and I guess uh, Monica's plot really uh, intertwines there. So Wanda starts off the episode, I think she plays a great millennial mom in the way that, like... She doesn't every, care. <laughs> everything's so dramatic, it, it'll lead to, like, uh, a breakdown. She knows she doesn't have the answers. Like, I think all moms know that they don't have the answers, but at least, like, like parents of old would, like, cover it up and pretend like they knew best. She just doesn't care. She like flats out just says like I don't have the answers and I'm pretty sure all this is meaningless. So come to your own conclusions. <laughs> so like I think she's like nailing the the role right now. Uh, I even loved like her nervous laughter that she threw on it at, at the end of every sentence. Like that can be written into a script, but 
the way she she delivers those lines is so great. Yeah, that was heavy Modern Family right there. The way that her line delivery and the the type of dialogue that they wrote for her. Um, it was funny that um, as Billy and Tommy go up to complain about their game over to to Wanda. Yeah. Um, I think it was Billy that says, "Hey, my head's hurting," <laughs> and she's like brushing it off aside. She's like, "Mom, mom's mom, resting her eyes. Mom's resting her eyes. Go away." <laughs> So yeah, that's like, so funny, and that comes back later on too. Um, so he, his abilities are clearly getting stronger, where he can sense the town people's uh, the restlessness and the anxiety that they're all feeling, and he's picking that up. Yeah, he is. I, I feel like this is the episode where they didn't. We didn't even see them use their powers visually, but they no. they definitely are. Their role is becoming a little bit more centered. You know, center ground here. Um, especially as we see one to take a little bit of a backseat, at least for a good half of this episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're uh, they're not using their powers, and they haven't aged for what is it two episodes now, or is it three episodes? It's been a um, while. Two episodes, I think. Yeah, so I mean, they are clearly just becoming. I mean, if we're going down the Mephisto route still, they're just becoming bait or, like, uh, just used to, like, dangle uh, the plot, you know? Right. It's interesting to see, too, like, um, going back to your point about Wanda basically giving herself a punishment. And her punishment is a staycation. Her powers are acting up in this in this episode. Her world is starting to change. Um, it seems like she's having less and less of a grasp of it. There's a whole little bit where she goes downstairs to get cereal. And the milk changes um, in the, of different eras. I think at one point it even turned black and white. Yeah, it went from like almond milk, which is very like modern, to whole milk, and then it went to like missing child on the back type of generation, which I guess would probably be like sixties or so. Perhaps foreshadowing. Maybe, or just that everyone's missing from the town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but actually, yeah, that could be foreshadowing if it was her kids this episode but yeah i liked the uh i like that she is having trouble controlling the hex now that it's either because it's expanded in, in size and it's a too much to control or she's just kind of like giving up because she's realizing that even vision doesn't want to be part of it anymore so what is she holding on to for yeah this is definitely hitting those stages of of grief and just kind of she's spiraling out of control yeah, I made a note in our in our prep here that I think this is such a good show for, you know, an underlying consistent theme. And it's just all about dealing with, you know, grief and depression. I mean, this episode really drives home the depression part, but uh, it, it sets up for Monica and Wanda to bond over this because they both have lost someone close to them. And they haven't been given time to properly grieve. And I mean, they're going through the different stages of of grief here. Like Wanda clearly uh, was in denial before. That's why this whole thing started. We saw a lot of anger coming out of her in multiple times, whether it was when stealing Vision back or fighting off Hayward. Now we're like seeing her kind of bargain and be like, OK, Vision, like just just stay part of this world. Just trust me. I got this. And then when he does, he rejects it. She's obviously in depression, and then I mean the the Nexus drug commercial really hammers that home. Yeah, that was a pretty smart way to play off the commercials that I think are 
often mock worthy, I guess nowadays, where yeah. they're advertising any sort of like medication, where they list off all the symptoms that it it could cure, and the then the last are the <laughs> death, potential death is basically or more depression. <laughs> yeah, jeez, I was. It's it's always funny to see those commercials, but it was it was played off so well here. And fun fact, the the way that they use the the medication entitled it Nexus. Um, it just kind of got me thinking. I was like, are they referring to the Nexus from the Marvel comics, which is the gateway to the multiverse? Uh, it's, it seems like that's, you know, probably what they're hinting at here, but it's just a clever way to kind of add things in there. Cause like for anybody that can pick up on these things, it's, it's nice. Um, you know, it's not just like a background thing. It's, it's kind of like giving you a little bit of a nudge as to what's coming up next. Yeah. I loved that. Um, that set up with that commercial. I would have liked another Yo Magic commercial, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got to stick with the era. So either an, a beer commercial or a drug commercial makes sense for right now. And right. They went with drugs. So I, I applaud it. <laughs> but we got a little bit more into the weaves on Project Cataract, kind of switching yeah, a little not, bit. Not as much as I was hoping for. It was like brushed over, right? I mean, I guess... It, didn't really require too much, but I thought it was going to be bigger or a bigger secret than just rebooting Vision. Yeah, I, I guess I was kind of right on when I said like it could be all this convoluted stuff that we're thinking of, or it could just simply be that Hayward Vision. is just looking to use Vision as a weapon. Yeah, and Cataract being Eyes and his name being Vision. Yeah, I guess it was not like an abbreviation like I was hoping for or something like that. That's more of Tony Stark style. Yeah, yeah. I guess cataracts being the impairment of vision. Ooh. Wow, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Lover, I just thought of it by myself just now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then they learn about that. Monica meets up with, uh, I guess, a rebel cell of military that is still loyal to Sword or like the original Sword. They are still going with the rover made out of lead or metal plan. Uh, are you surprised at this scene? I I thought the astrophysicist was coming in. She, I guess she was. That well, not she didn't say astrophysicist. I think she said aerospace engineer, right? Mm, yeah, but I think I thought she said uh, we're going to meet, or I'll give you the coordinates of my guy. Did she say guy or meet up or? She she said my guy, so that's why I was like, that's what right. I thought, right? Everyone yeah. thought it was Reed Richards or Blue Marvel, and that's all I saw on online. I still but think it's too early. I yeah, there's still time, obviously, and I'm not gonna be like, oh, well, then everything is like it's not gonna happen ever because that was it. But I was surprised because she said we're going to. I'll give you the coordinates when we go meet up with my guy. Well, what I meant was like I think it's too early to introduce somebody like Reed Richards, so I think maybe Blue Marvel may be more spot on. But they did introduce a very iconic character on on the show um, from the comics, which is this uh, character of Major Goodner. Which um, let me take a look real quick and see some of her backstory here. Oh wait, no, no, she doesn't exist in the comics. <laughs> no, she's okay. Yeah, so that was a fast lookup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's not uh, is she, but the question is is she the aerospace engineer or is she not and she's just a delivery person I mean it looked like a moon rover so it looked aerospace to me 
but yeah, it's just confusing. And especially being like, this is such a half baked plan that like Darcy wasn't on board, but you said, all right, let's whatever you say, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I was kind of thinking that we may see, we may even see like the introduction of like an X-Men character or something as that aerospace engineer. I had a friend of mine convince me that, like, oh, this Hank. is probably how they're... Yeah, Hank. They're probably going to introduce Beast before the mutation. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that that would make sense, too. But, no, it's Major Goodner. I don't know who she is. Okay. I, I'm, like, lost. <laughs> yeah, so this was, a, this was, I think, the only point in the episode where I was like, oh, I'm a little let down. And for the same reasons you said before, it's like, careful how much stock you put into a fan theory... Uh, because once you start thinking that this is the only way they could write this, that's when you get set up to be let down. A la Last Jedi. I still think Snoke was going to be the Ice Queen at the end of the day, (laughs) but Ryan Johnson ruined it and just like did not go along with JJ's plan. Snoke would have been the perfect Ice Queen at the end of that movie, but he just like messed it all up. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going into that. I don't, please don't start me on that. Monica, let's get back to the episode. Monica pushes through the forest field after the rover obviously doesn't get through uh, and basically becomes Photon, right? Basically. I, I She rewrote her DNA, what, a third time, I guess, at this point, according to Darcy? Yeah, she's been through it twice and it rewrote every time. So this being the third time, I like the way that she went through with you saw like four out of body experiences sort of. Or like different, uh, I guess, characters within her are like at uh, are are pulling apart. Like you see the, uh, I heard for your name Geraldine. You see um, her younger self. You see her current self, and then uh, there was another one there. I couldn't quite make it out, but I like how it was like all past diverging, and then she had to like pull it all together and use all the the lines from mostly from Captain Marvel. To pull her back together. Yeah, it was lines from I think Carol, and then one from Nick Fury, where it's where he I think he says like Yeah, you can join your mom when you learn how to glow, like your aunt Carol. And Carol, yeah, yeah. I I feel like this is I, st- you know, and I, I, you and I I think were maybe on the same page last week, but I really do think that this is the. The, the dawn, like the only explanation for, for powers coming up in here and tying it all to Wanda has to be like the mutant X gene introduction into the MCU. Yeah, when you said that last week, uh, I guess that was the first time I ever actually realized it, that there are no born heroes in the MCU. They're all, they've all been like, either they've built their own suits of armor or they've done some sort of like, genetic test where they change their genes or they've been impacted by the stone. I mean, I'm not counting Thor cause he's kind of different, <laughs> but yeah, uh, at least on earth, there's no heroes that were born with their powers. Uh, and I never really connected that or realized that. And I think that is going to be what this series is all about, whether it does make the actual final, uh, connection to x-men where they obviously are born with their powers or not in this series but we've seen billy and tommy are the first born superheroes hopefully they're real and they're not just like a projection 
<laughs> it's all been the fantasy this whole time. It's so hard to tell now <laughs> with like Pietro being just like a conjuring. So yeah, I have my theories on it, and I feel like, and and I'm only I'm I'm trying to be like as reserved as possible with them because I I feel like I get it just for what they're trying to do with the world building and like maybe trying to introduce the the X Men into this world. I think if anything, maybe there are people out there that were born with abilities, but there's so few that you don't really they're not very prominent. And whatever Wanda's about to do in this show is going to activate the, the mutant X gene in a lot more folks around the world. Um, yeah, I, I like that idea. The other thing, too, is like, remember that whole um, piece of dialogue in Endgame where I think it was Bruce Banner that was saying, like, Thanos' snap, both of them, um, like, caused this, like, wave of, of radiation that hasn't been seen in the universe was before. Was it Rocket? Yeah, so it's... I wonder, like, they got to, you know, nothing in this universe seems to be like a throwaway line like that. So I feel like maybe they've just, like, Kevin Feige, knowing that they were about to purchase the, you know, the the, the Fox characters was just kind of like laying a little bit of the, of the groundwork so you could just write them in, in in some fashion down the line. Yeah, they never, they always write their lines with the ability to come back to them with another purpose. Like, the purpose of that in that moment was so that they could track Thanos to another planet. But yeah, they could easily just be like, remember when we talked about the, you know, atoms, like the, basically the big bang bang atoms being sparked on earth for ground zero. Well, they changed into mutants now. Like, yeah, they could easily come back to that. Yeah. And we're also talking about the same like franchise that apparently as part of a deleted scene in the original, Iron Man movie, they had a post credit scene where Nick Fury directly references mutants and Spider-Man. So they've had ambitions with this for a while, so it wouldn't surprise me if they go back and say, oh, well, this line actually meant this <laughs> in, in retrospect. I would I would love to see some of that stuff tied in. The only last bit I have for, I guess, Monica and, and Wanda is the feud out in the, in the front yard. So Monica, like... I like her her plan of, you know, de-escalation <laughs> and trying to talk Wanda down and and bring her back to reality. But uh, it obviously gets interrupted by Agnes. But it looks like that that feud could have gone into either a, a fist fight or end in tears. But I mean, obviously it was interrupted before it could amount to anything. Yeah, I was wondering what her plan B was because if her powers weren't activated, Wanda would have just like smashed her onto the pavement after lifting her up into the air like that. Yeah, and I think Wanda was okay with that since before she's thrown (laughs) her through four walls, literally. That is true. That's true. Um, But I I, I did like, I I found it very interesting that Wanda was able to, to kind of, I guess, resist um, and you know, resist her instincts or or, or whatever her kind of you know plan of action was at that point to to hurt uh, Monica. And I was also interested to see uh, Monica take on that kind of bold strategy, right? Because it's like, what would have happened if you if she did decide to you know throw her out again? Well, I think uh, I think she's okay with either consequence. Like either she does get thrown out and beat up and she goes okay i'm already at this point where 
I don't even care what happens because the worst thing has already happened to me, you know, quoting her. So I think she's fine with it. And then if, you know, if things go as they how how they did go, then it's a win. So for her, it's a win-win to take that approach of being like, let me talk to you as a human and who understands that you're grieving right now. Uh, but I love Wanda's you know progression in this bit where she's questioning, like, maybe I already am the bad guy and there's no coming back from this. Like, I, I don't think I'm worth saving type of thing. Yeah, and I think before we move on to, to Vision or, or talk about, because I feel like his portion is, is a bit small in this, but or maybe we could mix it into this conversation here. But um, I wanted to touch on that last part where uh, where Agnes steps in and inter- intervenes in that fight between Monica and, and Wanda. She takes her to her home where, and actually I think we might have missed this earlier on in the episode, but um, Wanda had given Tommy and Billy over to Agnes for, you know, so she could take care of them for the day while she rested and enjoyed her staycation. Um, but it seems like at the end of this episode, Wanda herself gets to go into Agnes's house, um, sits down on the couch. Uh, it looks like she's about to go get her. Uh, Agnes is about to go get her drink, and she notices the half-eaten meals that looks like it's PB and J sandwiches and orange juice, mm-hmm. and like a cartoon was playing on the TV. So it's, she starts to kind of realize, like, oh yeah, my kids are supposed to be here. Right. And she goes around looking for them, asking where they are which leads her down to the basement, which gets us into the big reveal of this episode. Carcosa. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like True Detective, right? It did. It did. It had a very creepy vibe the minute she goes down there with the vines and with the like purple mist like, energy ominous thing. light, yeah. I was genuinely nervous in that bit. I was like, oh my God, are we about to see like Mephisto devil down here? Like, what are we, or is it Ralph? <laughs> What's going on? My worst fear was like, she was going to walk down there and see her kids imprisoned in some, in some fashion. Yeah. Where are the kids? There was some like visual clues when she was looking around, when she saw like the sand, like half eaten sandwiches, she looked at the rabbit and then she saw like a cicada crawling on the window. Like, I don't really know. Uh, so, I mean, we can just call her Agatha now because she's announced herself, but w- I don't really know what her M.O. is or her powers. I know she's a witch, but w- from the comics, like, w- what does she do? Does she, like, transform people or? She's a witch. A witch. Burn her. <laughs> <laughs> well, oddly enough, she's a, she is a witch from the Salem Witch period. Yeah, um, she looked like she had, like, that outfit on when she arrived. Yeah, and her house is very much full of like dark wood and kind of you know whatever you would normally stereotypically uh, you know relate back to a witch. <laughs> um, so she she is from that era. It's 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 funny though because she she has direct ties to uh, demons like uh, Nightmare, like Mephisto, um, but she's not necessarily a villain in the comic books. In fact, she's actually a caretaker. For the most part, but I f- I think she has villainous roots. I have a couple of questions that arose here because it seems like to me that so she's controlling Wanda in some respect because of that little glow of purple right. in her eye at the end, right? Yeah. So is she doing it for her own reasons? Is she doing it for someone else? And here's where, again, every time I, I feel like I'm ready to shed the Mephisto theory, something else kind of pops up that that makes me wonder like okay well there's more to this than we're really seeing 
And it was that book that's emanating energy at uh, in her basement that Wanda comes yeah. across. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Did that look like anything to you? Yeah, that's the Darkhold from from the Marvel Universe. So the Darkhold is literally like what in in our world will be referred to as like the I forget what the proper term for it is, but like the the Devil's Black Book, the okay. the black magic thing. So um, you know, in 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 our world, <laughs> there's that whole history of like witches having to sign their name into this little black book, and then they become Satan servants forever. <laughs> in the Marvel universe, there's a book called the Darkhold, which is written by Mephisto, and it is this um, book that amplifies any magic user's ability, um, but at the at the cost of something, and often enough that the plot. Any like any time you bring the Darkhold into into a Marvel comic story, it ties directly back to Mephisto because that's how he kind of makes his deals, and it it just gets me wondering like what's the ultimate purpose here? Like are they trying to sacrifice Wanda's kids to bring Mephisto into this world? Is that where they're going with this, or is this simply like because she has the book, her powers are augmented, and clearly she wants something to do with Wanda? I just can't tell exactly what her motivations here are. Yeah, I. it's very difficult to tell because it looks like, I mean, we were spot on with, you know, identifying moments where she, she appears during moments of sabotage. Uh, you know, what we talked about when the kids kept aging up, she was always around. Uh, we didn't get to see her do the things, but we knew, uh, actually, we had no clue about the Pietro bit, which is the part that confused me the most. Uh, so when Agnes or Agatha is doing her, her intro to her show, I guess that she's been having at the same time, which would be hilarious if the next episode is all from Agatha's point of view. (laughs) I'd love that. Uh, when Pietro shows up at the end of, what was it? Episode five. Um, I believe it was episode four End of episode four, one, whichever one it was, whenever he showed up she showed her perspective where she was like conjuring some spell on him at the door. So did she conjure him or did she just take a, like a citizen of the town and just rewrite his purpose? I don't think he's a citizen of the town. I I legitimately think this is actually the Pietro from the Fox universe. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's Mephisto. Um, (laughs) No, I, I think this is the this is the Quicksilver from the Fox universe, um, and here's so here's the way that I, I'm kind of like positioning my thoughts. I, I think that if this is all Agatha and this is all like her plan and she's behind this all and you know nobody else is kind of pulling the strings here, it's just her. Then I think that the the way that they're gonna go about this is that she wants access to the the multiverse i guess for some reason and that's how she's able to she's able to use wanda in order to do it and somehow she was able to conjure up quicksilver using wanda's abilities why would she need to cast a spell on him to give him memories or something like that to control him maybe i mean i do like the idea that like she wants access to the multiverse for whatever reason and she's been playing wanda and she, maybe she is i mean if we're still holding on to the mephisto thing maybe she's like playing you know, what's driving him, something that's driving Wanda, and then she's ultimately, like, the puppeteer above both of them. Uh, I'd like to see that, because I feel like 
her character could be so much more. Uh, and I said it before, I love what she's doing with, uh, with this character. I think personally, like that's what made this episode so good was her comedy and her little side interviews. Uh, she was hands down the funniest part. She was, and she's also she she's good at playing this this role that's very mysterious, funny, but also kind of like a little suspicious. And obviously, the revelation that she killed Sparky and that she caused all these other issues. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the other one that we saw. We're like, she definitely like killed this dog, right? <laughs> I love how that she just reveals that at the end. She's like, oh, and I also killed Sparky. <laughs> Classic Jen Barker. <laughs> but the, the the interesting line though is and the reason why i think her kids are missing billy is the one that is developing his powers is able to read people's minds seemingly and he tells her you know agnes i think you're you're very quiet and she's like oh yeah i'm just thinking a lot and she's like no you're very quiet inside so i maybe she got the to thinking that he's onto her at this point yeah she gave him a very strange look at that moment uh like Almost like I, she doesn't want to give him up to if Mephisto's there. Like she almost just wants to train him and have like her own apprentice type of thing. Is the look that I got or I read off that? It could be. I I, I think, and I sent you this meme <laughs> earlier today of the people pointing guns at each other, the back of each other's heads, yeah. <laughs> simultaneously. I feel like that's where we're going with this. Where like she is controlling Wanda. She she is causing a lot of this. But she's doing it because she's under the control of somebody else or under the threat of somebody else. Yeah, I think that's the last mystery is like, is she acting alone? Is she influencing someone else? Or is she like, you know, doing the bidding of someone else? Which obviously we are posing more questions than answers, but that's where everyone's at right now. We're just summing it up. Yeah, I, and I do think she's doing the bidding of somebody else. And again, like again, not to hammer away the whole Mephisto thing, but I feel like the the moment you introduce the Darkhold, you can't you 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 can't tell me that that's not the ultimate plan at some point. Maybe we won't see him in this series, but the moment you introduce the occult side of the Marvel universe, you can't build that out without Mephisto. Yeah, I don't know. Some part of me is like. Maybe that is doing the bidding of someone else, but it's purely, you know, self like under under self motivation. Like there's she's getting something out of it. It's not like she's just doing the bidding for let's just continue to say Mephisto because that's the leading theory. But I don't she doesn't strike me as like she's just doing it just because she's worshiping someone else. I think she's getting something out of it for sure. I I, th- I don't think this is something that's just as straightforward as like, oh, she's doing it for somebody for the sake of it i think there's something in it for her maybe something very personable so that's these are huge characters uh development i love that the you know the compliment complimentary cast is getting more time uh but speaking of which let's finish up with vision and darcy because they had a lot of screen time together away from wanda they did but they didn't have all that that much of a moment other than her basically maybe off screen a bit recapping to vision the series oh, I of loved events. that bit though. To me, that was so much more because it was like, it's not just recapping history so that he can catch up or or recapping what's happening with the hex. There's a very real moment there where he's like, when she accidentally slips and says like, "I just don't understand why you can't leave the hex," and you just can read it on his face like, "What am I? Like, am I alive? Am I 
the old vision? Am I a new vision? And he like he's playing all those like again, they oversimplify the history where he's like, so I was a computer and then my physical form was built for genocide and now and then I died twice and now I've been brought back, but I might not be back. He's going through so much and I like he's like he, Paul Bentley does such a good job with that character. Yeah, you're right. I, I feel like so he goes through this whole realization of like he might actually be dead <laughs> and he yeah. might, you know, he, there may not be any like anything left for him after this, after the, the whatever happens inside the hex. Yeah. And if he is part of the reason to bring down the hex because he wants to save the town, that's sacrificing himself. And I mean, he's again been known to do that for sure. Uh, which makes him worthy to rule Asgard, whatever's left. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> but I love that moment because he is clearly wearing like all those thoughts on his face. And Darcy's so quick to be like, look, I've been watching the show. And what I do know is that you two belong together. Like she loves you and you love her. And maybe that's all that really matters. Yeah. Well, maybe there was more to that moment than I <laughs> gave it credit for. Watch it a second time. Or a third time. <laughs> I'd be watching it a second time. Uh, I usually that, would have watched that's it. That's what I think times. it was. Usually you do watch it two times, but I, I think this episode really benefited from a second watch because you, you get to look past all the like well, what's gonna happen next and now you get to look at these like these acting strengths. I feel like this is this is this is going in a direction where there's going to be a lot of tragedy <laughs> to hit oh, these characters yeah. even more so. And I'm, I'm just getting ready for like a, a tearjerker finale here. Yeah. I think that the fan base really loved vision because everyone loved Jarvis, but they're really different characters. Jarvis was just a Butler AI vision was so much more complex. And that was the problem is that we never really got to watch vision develop. We only got to see him at moments of his development and didn't get to see how he got from point A to B. I'm starting to kind of realize the benefit of having these Disney plus shows. I feel yeah. like I'm a little like apprehensive in the beginning of like, Hey, you should drop all this stuff in one go. But you know, I got to tell you part of my excitement every Friday to come in and, you know, not just to record this, these sessions of these podcasts with you, but also like to watch this episode is to kind of see the reaction and the conversations that are happening on Twitter, on, on social media all over, um, and seeing people kind of speculate. But actually, you know, even more than that, taking it to another step is having people care about characters that before didn't even get a fair chance to be fleshed out, and they would never be in a movie. I feel like yeah. you, you can't, because you, you, there's always the character that's a little bit more... If you're paying that much for Robert Downey Jr., you have to give him screen time. You cannot right. waste a lot of time on a Wanda or a Vision. And I totally agree with you. We came into this series being like, this feels like homework that we have to do because it's going to set up another movie with like a Doctor Strange that we want to watch. But yeah, this has slowly become like our favorite thing. And it started out with like an I Love Lucy episode, which so many people hated on. <laughs> Yeah, I, it was a bold concept. It was a bold way to do it, and you know, I I feel like I've turned around with it, and I I think I've I've really enjoyed it, and I really do hope that this is the same level of attention to detail that we're going to keep getting, because this is essentially watching a thirty minute MCU movie 
every week. Yeah, it feels like it's so much like we're not getting enough because we have to wait a week between it, which is why, like we've said it before and we'll continue saying it like this is a binge show because it's so good with its cliffhangers that you want to just see what's happening next. But now we have to wait a week to see that. I feel like this is also going to guide us through and, and I hope this is an indicator of what's to come because, you know, there's shows that are on the lineup. Not that I'm not looking forward to them, but it's just, you know, kind of a little bit of a yawn. Like, And then there's others that I'm excited for. So I hope that, you know, whatever the same kind of attention that they gave this show is applied for the rest of the universe moving forward. Yeah, whether it's a big name or a little name, I think it's going to get a lot of fans excited. Uh, we've kind of weaved predictions in throughout this. Uh, not that they're really worth anything because they get thrown out immediately in the next when the next episode airs. But what are you still holding on to? What are you still thinking is, is going to happen out of this? Either short-term, next episode, or long-term for the whole series? I'm still banking on some sort of big character reveal or appearance by the end of the show, just given Elizabeth Olsen's hype for us. To and, ex- and Paul Bettany. And Paul Bettany, yeah, to, to expect the Luke Skywalker moment. Um, I hope that happens. I have no idea who it's going to be, honestly. like It wouldn't surprise me at this point if they bring in, like, james mcavoy to reprise his role as uh, <laughs> professor x at this point i don't even know where they're going with it so i i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna cross my fingers and hope to see something really good um i think in terms of the long term i i do think that you know especially now with monica officially confirmed to have powers i feel like we're seeing the dawn of the x-men or, or the just basically mutant kind in the marvel cinematic universe here yeah i mean i 100 percent hold on to the big a-list character uh coming in or actor and i don't know why i said character uh coming in because yeah wanda said that pietro was not the big reveal that she was talking about and then paul bettany also said that he's like got to work with an a-list character or actor that he's always wanted to work with so it has to be somebody that he's never worked with if we're looking around the mcu i'm still betting that it's going to be dr strange which might be a really tough sell in because there's no indication why he should be involved, but other than like setting up the multiverse bit, which it seems like it has to, if it's going to set up Dr. Strange's into the multiverse. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm pretty confident. We'll see if not Dr. Strange himself, some, in the, some element of him. It was funny to see people speculating this morning on Twitter. There was a whole, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a lot of people like betting that um agnes's rabbit is actually dr strange turned into a rabbit and he's actually been trapped (laughs) a a magician turned into the rabbit now that would be ironic i would say no because he's like the sorcerer supreme right but then again it's revealed that she has the darkhold book so maybe i mean (laughs) i wouldn't put it too past it yeah i mean that was you said it was the darkhold book but to me it looked exactly like the books that were in the Sorcerer Supreme Library in their first Doctor Strange movie. Uh, it just looked it looked like those like moving covers. Yeah, it did right. It was reminiscent of it. And also, I feel like if, if somebody somebody like a Doctor Strange at this point would have probably been the first person to show up to this event, right? So th- I would also kind of question like where has he been this whole time? Well, yeah, I mean. It is weird. Well, he cannot leave the temple of New York unguarded. That's his MO. Yeah. (laughs) Or he's Uh, the rabbit. (laughs) But I really also 
I put so much, and this is the problem that we were talking about is putting too much stock into one thing, but I really do put it stock into the line from far from home. Spider-Man second movie where agent Hill is like, uh, Dr. Strange is otherwise busy at this time. And that would be happening at this exact same time. So it, to me, it makes sense that like he's busy in New Jersey while he's, uh, while Spider-Man's over in, what was it? Budapest or Norway? I think. He was not in Norway. I thought he was in Norway. <laughs> it was like Prague or something like that. Some European place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Norway. Okay. <laughs> we clearly know the our European audience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was in Germany. At some point he was, wasn't no, he? No, he, was, he started off in Italy, and then he was going to go to Paris, and I'm pretty sure they ended up going to Prague instead. I think you're right. This is a great excuse for me to rewatch it, so thank you. I needed this. And this is a good way for me to blame the public education system here in America for not teaching me the exact geographical locations of these European countries. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta start playing GeoGuessr. I do. I really do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like these. I like these predictions. I really liked this episode. I talked myself more into it as we talked. Um, I highly recommend going watching it a second time. Yeah, and let us know if you think that Doctor Strange is the rabbit, because if if he is, cicada. or yeah, he could be the cicada. But honestly, like if he's the rabbit, we better see that rabbit with the um, what do you call it? His little his flowing cape. Wait, what's uh the rabbit's name? Senior what? Senior Scratch. That's what I thought it was. We got to do like an anagram on sca- on Scratch. I'm going to make a custom Doctor Strange cape and put it on my own rabbit and just kind of see if that, like, does it hold? Can this, can he actually be a rabbit? I like it. Yeah, so, yeah, like uh, like Ivan said, if you have any predictions of your own and you want to let us know, you want to get involved in the conversation, uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, at BT4thWall, 4 being 4th. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>